We're in the studio with Captain Lucky Kinsella, commanding officer at Naval Air Station here in Pensacola, Florida. He joins Dean Rick Fountain to talk about leadership, crisis management, and really the traits of great leaders. Lucky was raised in Dublin, Ireland, and he enlisted in the United States Navy in 1989. He has had a long and successful career in different positions within the Navy. So take a listen, be spellbound as I was listening to Lucky, and really take some notes. This is a time to listen, learn, and apply what Lucky has to say. Enjoy the podcast. Leadership. This is Leader to Leader, two fabulous leaders in the room today. Captain, heavy on our heart is what happened about a year ago here in this this area. When we talk about leadership, we talk about, we think actually about the traits. We can read about it. And I know that your background formally is leadership um, by training, by doing. I am wondering if you and um, and Rick can talk a little bit about leading in a time when it's so heavy on your heart. Mm-hmm. Does it hurt your heart? And how do you continue leading? And here we have a catastrophic event about a year ago with the shootings, and now we have COVID. And we were talking about people just not being on base or mm-hmm. people not being, we were talking about the campus. There's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. So you just came from from that memorial service. Can you tell me about or tell the, the listeners about leadership? How do you rise rise to that? Do you rise to that? Mm-hmm. What prepares you to take on today? Yeah. Um, leadership in a crisis doesn't happen in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, uh, when the crisis comes upon you, um, if you haven't prepared for it um, mentally, in your training, if you haven't thought about it, it's very difficult to respond to it in the way that your people need you to respond to it. So leadership in a crisis, is that leader is never about, about you. It's not about the leader. It's about the people that, that you're leading and being the leader that they need, not the leader they want. There's a difference there. Oh, yes. Everybody wants a leader they can relate to, a leader they like, a leader that gives them time off. But that's not the leader they need. In a time of uh, crisis, I mean, let me give you a little story from that morning yeah. uh, to perhaps illustrate it. Um, my command master chief, Master Chief Rivers, was driving me to the scene. And I, I'd actually asked him I, I, a week later, I said, where were you that day? And he says, are you kidding me? I was beside you the whole day because mm-hmm. the whole day was a blur. Yeah. And I said, oh my goodness, that's right. So he, he was glued to my hip the whole day the wonderful man that he is. Um, and he said, yeah, I was, I was driving you to the scene and I looked over and you were looking at the front windscreen of the car and your face was white and you just had this stony look on your face. And I remembered that moment exactly. There's, there's not a lot, like I said, the day was a blur, but I remember that moment precisely because I was trying to steal myself for what I was about to see. Because I had to walk through the scene and turn the scene over to the FBI. I knew what I was going to see, um, and everybody would be looking at me. So I had to steel myself to be the leader that they needed, to walk through there without emotion, with a cool head, um, ready to give the direction that the people needed to do their job. 
if they see me breaking down or, or uh, talking in a way that does not become the position, um, that trickles down. Everybody, everybody gets it, and they look at me like, "Oh my goodness, the skipper, he's he's losing a man. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do?" Right. They have to feel confident that I'm going to make the decisions that are right for them, for the command, for everything going forward. That confidence that they that they build. As I said, leadership in a crisis doesn't come in from a vacuum in that. And when I talk about preparing for it, it's also the first thing I did when I came to NS Pensacola was to reach out to all the key players in the community, both outside the community and on the base, because I wanted to develop a relationship with them uh, in case a crisis happened. I didn't want the first time I met the mayor to be if there was a crisis. I wanted us to have a relationship beforehand. Um, So when so many people, community leaders, came to the base to offer their assistance, the county commissioners, um, the mayor, the sheriff, all of those, they were people I had a relationship with. And that relationship was trust. And that's the other part of crisis leadership mm-hmm. is trust. And Covey calls, uh, Stephen Covey's son, I forget mm-hmm. his first name, but he has a book called The, uh, the Speed of Trust. And in there he, he says that trust is competence and character. It's built out of competence and character. So if you have somebody where, um, and you're a great guy, I'd love to have a beer with you, but you don't know your job from hold the ground. Am I going to trust you? No, because you can't do your job. Mm-hmm. But if you're great at your job, but I know you're a bit of a bit of a cheat. I'm not going to trust you. Mm-hmm. So that character and competence are so important, and, and building that with your peers, uh, wherever you are. So when the crisis happens, you already have that trust. And the same with your people. The the shooting happened only a few months after I got there, and I worked very hard. One of the, the first um, when you first take over the commanding officer, you do what's called the all-hands calls. And you sit down with all your folks and you get them to give them your, their, your expectations and ask them what their issues are, what would they like to see changed, just sort of a, a meet and greet with them. And the first thing I talked to them about was trust. Uh, I told them, you know, you don't have to trust me. I have to earn your trust, but I have to trust you. Because if I don't trust you, I'm going to be micromanaging you. You don't want that, I don't want that. So from here on out, it's my job to earn your trust in everything I do, that all the decisions that I make are for the benefit of this organization and for you. You may not like some of them, but know that I'm doing them for the right reasons. So building that trust up, and luckily I felt that I'd done that. So by that day, um, we had a good working relationship. They trusted me. They knew, uh, or at least they felt, or at least I like to think they did, that the decisions that I made that day were for the best interest of everybody. I'll say that day I, I felt that I was walking on a, a razor's edge in the decisions I had to make. Mm. Um, the razor's edge of, mm-hmm. of uh, I was working very closely with the FBI, Department of Justice, a lot of other agencies. Um, so things that may have been questionable from a, a Navy legal perspective and a DOJ legal perspective, and having to go with your gut, firmly believe, and this has always held true for me, my, my gut, my instinct, has been what I've relied on uh, very much. Um, sometimes there's something niggling at you and you don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. you peel, peel it back and then you realize. Um, I think Malcolm Gladwell talks about it mm-hmm. a lot, that the experience you have in your life, that subconscious experiences that inform your decisions, you don't even know that they're doing. We call it our gut instincts, mm-hmm. but that, that's what it is. It's your those thousands and millions of experiences that you've had that inform you. Um, and, and listening to that, listening to your, your conscience is so important in times like that. People all, all, all during that time, the, the days and weeks afterwards, uh, everybody wants to help. Um, and they all say, they, lucky me to 
Look after yourself. Make sure you're looking after yourself. Anybody who has been leading through a crisis knows you can't look after yourself. Looking after yourself during a crisis is a myth as a leader. Mm -hmm. uh, you look after yourself when it's done. If I'm worried about myself, um, it's not going to get done. You got to put your head down and you got to get through it. And then you take care of yourself at the end of it. Because I'm looking after myself, I'm not looking after everybody else. And that's part of the, the preparation that you do beforehand. Um, you've got to have enough confidence, you've got to have enough character um, and enough competence to know that what you're doing uh, is for the right reasons. It's, uh, it's, it's so important. So I, again, kind of, and thank you for that and thank you for going in. Putting your head down is something I would say, um, we're going to talk about in a minute about the hotel mm -hmm. business and the pub business, but yeah. putting your head down and doing the hard work. Yeah. Um, I think that there is a myth out there, especially, I'm just going to say it here, we're sitting on campus yeah. with students that it's easy. Mm -hmm. And it's not. It's we get to where we are by those experiences. Mm -hmm. So how do you, you know, to me, whether it's this crisis, mm -hmm. how do you get prepared? How do you know that you're going to do okay? You can yeah. do all the reading. You can do all the school book or the school work. But how do we know that? So, um, when when you have a crisis in, that you go through, you take care of those people, um, and clearly earned a little bit more trust, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and I I want to talk a little bit about the gut, yeah, because it's kind of like that theory that we say don't listen to your gut, mm -hmm. especially in HR, yeah. right? You can't just listen to your gut, but as you said, incrementally, yeah. it's it's not necessarily even just gut, it is all of those things come in yeah. and you do that. Yeah. Um, so at what point you're at, height of your career, mm -hmm. could be end of, end of career, you know, towards, you're not 20, because yeah. people can't see it, but at what point did you feel that confidence mm -hmm. and confidence, yeah. do you think? So, uh, wonderful questions. And these are all things I think about a lot, a lot. I have to remember all the things we talked about here because I want to address mm -hmm. each of them. The first thing, um, how students think that leadership is, is easy or that you're born to leadership or uh, there's that age-old question, do you make leaders or, or leaders mm -hmm. born? Right. Um, I firmly believe so you can teach somebody to play uh, football, and they'll be a pretty good football player. Mm -hmm. You can teach them how to do it. Nobody taught Bo Jackson how mm -hmm. to be as brilliant as he was. Mm -hmm. There's something innate in there. Mm -hmm. And I think leadership is, is very similar as well. You can teach somebody to be a leader. Of course you can. But great leaders, there's something in there. There's something mm -hmm. in there. If you're great at anything, Yo-Yo Ma, one of the greatest cellists mm -hmm. in the world, nobody taught him the nuances of how he plays the cello. Mm -hmm. it's, it came from inside. Right. And leadership is very much the same. When leadership in a crisis, it hurts. Yeah. And that was the biggest thing, for me, the biggest surprise for me. Mm -hmm. It physically hurt because of decisions that you have to make that are gut-wrenching decisions. Mm -hmm. But you have to do it and you have to rise to it. Uh, because if you don't, then the organization falls apart. 
as a as a commanding officer, I'm I'm not a I don't like conflict. I, I avoid conflict maybe. And maybe that's growing up in a hotel business, a pub business, a <laughs> hospitality place. Huh. You're always trying to please, please. people, you know. Yes. Um, I love sitting down and having a having a good chat and over I, I find a Guinness with somebody. But when I first time I was a commanding officer, it the, the, the mantle, it's like you put on this cloak, this, this superhero cloak, mm. that gives you these powers because you're no longer thinking about yourself, you're thinking about the organization and the people. Mm. And those, my first command was a, a squad of 250 folks. And they're all looking to you. And when they're looking at you for that leadership and that guidance, that gives you like a superpower. That you think outside yourself and mm. you become bigger than who you are because mm. you're responsible to all those folks. It's just like, it's like being a parent. You mm -hmm. do things for your children that you wouldn't do for yourself. Mm -hmm. You put in extra hours and you sacrifice things for your children that you wouldn't do. You wouldn't dream of doing for yourself, mm -hmm. but you do it for them because it gives you that little superpower. Mm -hmm. And being a leader, being responsible for people or an organization gives you that little little extra superpower that, that you don't normally have. Because, and that is if, only if, you take leadership as something that's altruistic, selfless, mm -hmm. and that word that we talked about before with love, mm -hmm. not the Romeo and Juliet love, the selfless love mm -hmm. where you, your ultimate goal is to be a servant leader, to serve the people that you're working with. So th that's that's the first bit about leadership being, being real leadership, it, it's hard, but but I love it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love it, I feed off of it. I So there's a, there's a selfish bit in there too, because I love, uh, I love the social aspect of it. I love helping people. I love seeing the organization grow in your vision, what you want it to be, and then seeing the people that you are uh, leading grow with that. Mm -hmm. um, I once had a boss. He said to me, um, he said, Lucky, what is, but Lucky's my call sign, by the way, just in case the folks out there wondering why I'm saying Lucky. Um, he said, Lucky, what is your, what is your, what does success look like for you, for your organization? And I gave him all sorts of numbers and, you know, well, we do this, we, we, we're ready to go on deployment on time, we've got no mishaps, we've got this, that, and the other. And he goes, yeah, that's all good and well, but is, is that real success? Because they'd probably do that if you weren't there. That probably happened anyway. I said, like, well, I, I guess you're right. And he says, think about this. Success in our business, we're only in, in command for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So success, you don't see it until you're gone. Mm -hmm. It's what do your people do when you leave? Mm -hmm. Do they wither away or do they rise to the potential that you help them achieve? Mm -hmm. uh, man, that resonated with me. Mm -hmm. It's something I'd felt my whole life, my whole career, mm -hmm. but I never articulated like that. I was like, man, that, that's leadership. Yeah. Leadership is getting your the people that work for you, the organization, to reach its fullest potential. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. So in a crisis, how do you get those people that are working for you to reach their fullest potential mm -hmm. when everything's going crazy? Right. When the world's falling down around you, how do you get them to not ignore it, but put that aside for a minute mm -hmm. and focus on a task at hand? Right. When you're working in, in in the military, I think, well, I don't want to say it's it's easier, but I think any organization, when you when you plan, when you coordinate, when you anticipate the crises, like could we ever have anticipated that the shooting was going to happen? No. We train for it. We see it. But... When I think about it, what would happen, but you don't know until it actually happens. Um, when I went down to the emergency operations center, um, there's so much going through my mind. And I just, you have to quiet it down. 
Mm-hmm. Just stop and then just be quiet. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to report from anybody. I didn't want anything. I'm just quiet and mm-hmm. think and let everything come in mm-hmm. and then start working on, on things as they come through. Right. Um, the worst thing that you can be as a leader in a crisis or any time is to be the busiest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should be the calmest. Mm-hmm. You should be the center of, of tranquility. Mm-hmm. So when you're, you're I've, I've never, I've never screamed at somebody in my mm-hmm. career. Um, it's so much more, you said nobody would come talk to you. Right. So if you're in a crisis, you're running around and you're trying to do everybody's jobs and you're like, what are you doing? Where are your reports? Where's the data? I need this, mm-hmm. I need this, I need that. You're not thinking about the big picture mm-hmm. at all. Um, I once had a, a flight instructor who, uh, we, we I did anti-submarine warfare and there are very complex problems, all sorts mm-hmm. of things going on everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like doing a chess game and we have a scope mm-hmm. and we plot it out on the scope. And he used to say, you know, when you're in the middle of your, 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 your exercise, your problem, you're hunting a submarine, if you're focused on that little scope there, that's all you're doing, mm-hmm. you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. He said, sit back, put your foot up on the control panel and just watch things around you. Mm-hmm. And all these things will start coming into you. And then you'll get a much bigger picture and all the little pieces will start coming together. And you'll, you'll know what direction to go in. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to, to, to right. do that, the big picture. Right. Um, you have all everyone else's there to look at the individual pieces, the jigsaw, mm-hmm. uh, and you're there to pull those pieces together. So part of, you know, when you say, if I can, because I can't wrap my mind around in being in the corporate world yeah. versus the military, yeah. it's different training, sure. right? Yeah. And, and being a lawyer is different training too, so you can bring something into this, is my question is, when we talk about people, so some of those people are put into positions whether you pick them or not, mm-hmm. sure. right? Yeah. And so if I understand it correctly, then it's you have people when you're putting your foot up there, mm-hmm. what happens when they don't? Yeah, um, wonderful. It's yeah. A, it's uh, a yeah. Tough, I, I don't know how to ask it in a, um, in a nice way because... If, if, when they're failing. Yeah, right, and they're failing the yeah. organization, not necessarily yeah. just you, but yeah, you're yeah. failing the organization. Yeah. How is that, how do you... That's a good leadership thing. It sure is, and it's 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 another thing. Your questions are great. They they probe right into so many things that are important to me. You have to allow your people to fail. Hmm. They'll never grow. Right. You have to. So that's the hardest thing as a leader, because you've been there, you've done it, you've been through the ringer. You know, I've been doing yeah. this for over thirty years now, so I've seen lots of things. Mm-hmm. But I have to allow them to fail. I'm not going to allow them to fail catastrophically, mm-hmm. but I'll allow them to fail enough where they learn yeah. something about it. Yeah. Um, we are in, I, I think we have morphed into almost a, a no risk, no fail society. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that in, in so much we see in our children. Yeah. Um, we, we see it in suicide rates of, of young people now because, right. uh, and it's something that is very problematic for us in the military. Um, not to go down that rabbit hole of the suicide, but it's if, if you don't allow folks to fail, your children, yeah. you don't want your kids to fail, but if you don't allow them to fail, what are they gonna do when they go to college? Yeah. What are they gonna do when they're in their first job? Mm-hmm. Because you build that scar tissue mm-hmm. uh, when you fail, and then you also build confidence. Right. Now in a crisis, sometimes you, you don't have that luxury to allow them to fail because everything's gotta be done. Right. But at the same point, um, a team that is strong enough where the other members of the team can pick up the slack of those that are 
not maybe pull them, they're not pulling their full weight. Yeah. The other thing I think is that you have to have the confidence as a leader when, when one of your people is failing that that is going to affect the organization in a way that you have the capability to, to bounce back from it mm-hmm. or to anticipate it or to um, compensate for it. Yeah. Right. And be able to see it. Yeah. And recognize yeah. it. And then... And, and also that, that it's usually it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if a report doesn't get to somebody on time, okay, mm-hmm. I might get yelled at mm-hmm. by it, or you didn't get that report to us on time, mm-hmm. well, okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, Johnny, how come you didn't get the report on time? Well, I was confused and I didn't understand and, and this, that, and the other. Okay, well, ask so-and-so next time and let's do better. Mm-hmm. And then usually that is actually a lot more powerful than right. pointing your finger in their chest and yelling at them. Yeah. And um, hopefully they do better. 